This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm Greg Gutfeld. I'm Martha McCallum. I'm Brett Baer, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, June 17th, 2022. I'm John Saucier. This war in Ukraine continues to affect the entire world in more and more ways. You may have noticed the price of gasoline lately at all-time highs in this country. President Biden has blamed the Russian invasion, even calling it the Putin price hike. I'm doing everything in my power to blunt Putin's gas price hike. Just since he invaded Ukraine, it's gone up a dollar seventy-four a gallon. Because of nothing else but that. But is that statement actually accurate? Yeah, absolutely. Russia has benefited economically from these high prices, I'm sorry to say. This is the Fox News Rundown. War on Ukraine. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There is a major energy crisis going on in the United States right now. And President Biden says he's on top of it. He's also blamed the war on Ukraine for higher gas prices and inflation. Here's what the president said about it on Friday before hopping on Air Force One to head over to Saudi Arabia. Russia's brutal and unprovoked assault on its neighbor Ukraine has fueled a global energy crisis and has sharpened the need to achieve long-term reliable energy security and stability. But Russian President Vladimir Putin feels otherwise. Very often we, we hear about the so-called Putin and spied infection in the West. And when I hear that, I think that it's just plain stupid. It comes from people who don't know how to read and write. The Russian president is speaking through a translator there. So which leader is more accurate in their assessment? I'm afraid he can't blame this on Vladimir Putin. Our guest today is friend of the program, national security analyst and Fox News contributor, Dr. Rebecca Grant. And just as important, you know, President Biden can't look to OPEC and partner Russia for the U.S. energy strategy. You know, we need a, a much better energy strategy that focuses on everything from increasing domestic production to conservation and, yes, some new sources of fuel. But the, a trip to Saudi Arabia is not going to accomplish that. And funny, you know, two years ago, President Trump wanted the Saudis to cut production. Now here comes another U.S. president saying we need you to increase production. Saudi has done that. They've actually gone up quite a bit in the past year, but this is no long-term solution, and we might need a much more strategic approach with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. All right, let's shift it back to Russia here, because earlier on they were selling oil to European nations and using some of that money to help fund this war. We've seen a number of efforts from countries, including the United States, to isolate Russian oil sales. Is Russia able to still reap oil profits here from Europe? 
They are doing some sales, but the EU has now said they will stop purchasing Russian oil by the end of the year. That's a really big step for them to take. Of course, they have not stopped on the natural gas, a bit more of a dilemma. And don't forget, China is making up a lot of the difference in Russian oil purchases. So China's agreed to buy all the energy that Russia wants to sell. And while it's a big global commodity market, of course, you know, China has a really heavy responsibility here in boosting up Russia's oil sales. With the prices high, no kidding, absolutely, Russia has benefited economically from these high prices, I'm sorry to say. Yeah, and it's kind of a way for China to contribute to this war almost indirectly, where you have the United States and other Western powers supplying directly. We're giving high, highly advanced weaponry straight to the Ukrainian military to use against Russia. And it looks like China's buying a lot of oil from them and giving them the money to be able to continue to fund this war. Let's talk about what else Russia is doing in Ukraine. We've got reports here for weeks now that Russia has been stealing Ukrainian exports, even blocking some exports. And one of the major items here that Ukraine produces is grain. And this not only affects Ukraine, but actually affects the entire world. Can we talk about what you've heard about Russia blocking grain exports? The number one problem is that no ships are going in or out of the two key grain ports. Those are Odessa and Mykolaiv, both still in Ukraine's hands. But Russia has barricaded the Black Sea routes. And at this point, we have had reports that Russia has tried to take some grain out by rail and possibly also out by ship. That'll be small quantities. But this is a big problem the world needs to solve. And it's not just now. This is going to go on in perpetuity, not just this year's grain, but next year's harvest as well. And I think NATO really needs to ask if they can't step up and do a grain shipment corridor through the Black Sea. I get it. The Black Sea is very tight. Navies really hate to maneuver up in there. And there are uh, Russian warships and Ukrainian sea mines to deal with on both sides. But I think NATO is going to have to address trying to do some grain shipment corridor. Biden administration actually is looking at trying to take grain out by rail. We do that in the U.S., so does Canada, but Ukraine system isn't really set up for that. So it's a big dilemma, and people will go hungry because of this. Let's talk about this naval battlefield, because you mentioned before we started this podcast that Ukraine has actually made another big gain uh, against the Russian Navy. Can we talk about that? There's a report from the Wall Street Journal that Ukraine has sunk a Russian tugboat that was possibly carrying armaments and done it using a harpoon missile. That's key because the harpoon was provided to them by, could have been Denmark, might have been Britain, might have been another security partner. But this is a great move by Ukraine using the uh, U.S.-made harpoon as a long-range coastal defense weapon. That weapon has a range of anything from about 70 miles to even over 100 miles in the advanced version, active radar seeking over-the-horizon capability. And that has got to really scare the Russian Navy. It's good that Ukraine is beefing up its coastal defenses. Nice way to see them strike back. On the table for discussion today, oil, grain, and harpoon missiles. We've got a lot to talk about regarding this war in Ukraine. And who better to talk about all of it than national security expert Dr. Rebecca Grant. We'll continue the discussion right after this. All right, let's talk about the United States because there's a report from the State Department that they're investigating two American military veterans who apparently went missing, might have been taken prisoner in Ukraine after going over to volunteer and fight. This actually came up yesterday 
during the White House press briefing where the press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, didn't really get too into it, but did say this. We just can't confirm that um, at this time. And again, our hearts go out to the family, uh, but it's not something that we can confirm. Okay, so it looks like the United States is not saying too much. We're still investigating all this. But what do you know about these two possible missing American veterans in Ukraine? And this time I understand the White House being very cautious on confirming any details because what I've read is that these two individuals uh, texted back home saying uh, that they would be off on a multi-day mission. That happened about a week ago, and they haven't been heard from since. It's just speculation at this point, but one possibility is that they were operating forward with Ukraine forces up really close in an advise and assist role. We don't know anything about the background of these individuals yet, but let's say, for example, that they've got some military training or expertise. They could have been up assisting Ukrainian forces near the front lines and been caught. The front lines are very, very fluid around Severodonetsk at this point, and it's entirely possible that something, uh, either they've, they've become casualties in some way. And I understand the White House being cautious because, of course, there are family members involved. They want to get some real details before they say too much more. Yeah, absolutely. But this makes me wonder about a greater issue. The U.S. State Department is advising Americans, obviously, don't go to Ukraine right now. There's a war going on there. But are there more Americans who are in Ukraine maybe helping with the fight or for other reasons? Have you read anything about that? Well, if you look on social media, the answer is yes. So Americans doing all sorts of things from assisting with bringing up supplies to, I, you know, I suspect we're seeing some tactical assistance to Ukraine as well. A lot of that could be done through, um, you know, through private contracting arrangements. I don't know. We also see other nationals from Britain and other countries that are there helping as well. So I think in this type of battlefield where you've got at this point 50 nations, 30 from NATO and 20 others that are part of the formal uh, Ukraine contact group that's giving security assistance. So, yeah, they're going to be individuals from those nations with special expertise or a real passion for this cause. They'll be over there, and they are in a very dangerous situation. It's a very uh, brutal war right now, and they are definitely taking risks in what they do for this cause. Well, another group that has a lot to do with this fight and definitely has a lot of chips in it is the European Union right now. And some leaders are getting together, most notably the president of France, Emmanuel Macron, to talk about the possibility of admitting Ukraine into the European Union. What do you know about that? And if it does happen during wartime, what might that mean for this particular war? That was a real bonus for Ukraine to see uh, the, the Germany, France, Romania, and all the leaders got on a train and went in and said, okay, we are going to try to fast-track this EU application. Becoming a member of the European Union has been a goal of Ukraine for a long time. They were held out in past years due to corruption and political concerns. Most of those are well behind us, and I'd say this is a really positive sign for Ukraine's future, that these um, powerful members of the European Union got on that train and got together to embrace Ukraine's membership. It shows just how important this war is and how important Ukraine winning this war really is for the big nations and for all of Europe. Yeah, and it has to be a blow to Vladimir Putin as well, because we've seen other nations that border Russia say to themselves, well, it might be the time to get into NATO now, because if Russia can go into Ukraine, what's stopping them from getting here? Now you've got the European Union members going into Ukraine and kind of getting together. And a lot of this, I'm sure, is political maneuvering, but it's a big deal when those leaders that you mentioned publicly show their support for Ukraine like this. 
this is a major shift. Uh, European countries want to be with the good guys, whether that's Finland and Sweden applying to join NATO or the EU looking favorably on Ukraine, perhaps joining the EU. You know, the world is dividing into two camps. You've got Russia and China on that side. And, hey, we want to get the good guys together and strengthen all those ties. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much more going on than just the fighting on the ground in Ukraine. It really does affect the entire world, whether it be grain exports, whether it be oil, money, or whether it be the future of the free world, what we're discussing right now. Dr. Rebecca Grant, as always, we appreciate your insight, your intelligence, your experience, and thank you so much for joining us here on the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine podcast. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.